This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We've talked a lot on the show about um, the housing crisis, some people calling it a crisis. I mean, there is a report out I was just looking at this morning that says they're estimating the average cost of a home in Canada. The average cost of a home in Canada could hit $900,000 right away here. $900,000. Now you take Toronto and Vancouver out and it comes down a bit, but it's still incredibly high, right? And, uh, you know, the federal budget came out a couple of weeks back and it was a main talking point in there with, uh, you know, we're talking about $500 million in direct funding to try and tackle the problem. Changes to the way people can save up for down payments and all, all kinds of talk about how to get people into homes, how to get people into homes. But we've seen these kinds of things before and they haven't always worked out. So is there something new that we could possibly try? We've got an interesting discussion coming up here um, with a guest who says, yeah, there is definitely something out there that could work better than what we've been doing. And that something is housing co-ops. Joining us now to tell us about it, we have Dr. M- uh, Margaret Cohn, who's a professor of political science at the University of Toronto. Dr. Cohn, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here. Really interesting proposal that you're making here, and we're going to talk about housing co-ops. Let's just describe what that is and how they work so we know what we're talking about. Okay. A housing cooperative is a democratically controlled association that provides housing to its members. So the typical nonprofit Canadian housing co-op owns residential units and rents them to members at cost. And the membership ends when the resident moves out. So, okay. so what kind of, like, who, who owns it? I mean, what kind of cooperatives are being formed? So the cooperatives are owned collectively by the members, and typically the uh, residents are composed one-third of more low-income residents who pay a rent that's um, related to their income and subsidized by the government, and the other two-thirds pay what are called market rents, but these, in fact, are much lower than we typically see on the free market because there's no profit being extracted by a landlord. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You're just paying basically the cost. Um, Exactly. have, Have we seen this before? Has there been systems like this set up? And have they been in Canada? And how have they worked? Yes, absolutely. Um, first of all, I'd like to just tell you a little bit about how cooperatives work in practice, sure. because it's important that they're managed by the people who live there. That means that residents elect a board of directors, and they also approve the annual budget. There's also a kind of culture of participation. Residents tend to help out with maintenance or administrative tasks or social activities. And that's a way to kind of build connections among people who live there, but also to keep costs low. So when we think about whether a housing program is effective, I think we're interested in a couple of things. One thing is whether it gets people into houses at a reasonable cost. But another concern is that, you know, you don't want to pay too much in government taxes to, to, to pay for that. And housing co-ops are very effective because they're able to provide reasonably priced housing at low cost. Okay, just help me. I'm trying to wrap my head around how these work. Who buys the property? The co-op buys the property, correct? But um, do they build it? Do they buy existing ones? Do they get help from the government in terms of financing this to start it? How does that work? That's a great question. So most of these co-ops, these nonprofit housing cooperatives that we're talking about in Canada, 
they were started through government programs that were funded by the Canadian um, state, the federal government. In the 1970s, 1980s, the um, federal government stopped funding housing cooperatives in 1992. There also have been some provincial programs. So basically what they do is they give some seed money, some sort of like startup cost to kind of get an architect, right, maybe to purchase land. And then there's also mortgage-backed um, mortgage backed loans from the government, from the Canadian Mortgage Housing Corporation. Okay. So the people who live there basically pay off the mortgage just like you would when you purchase your house, but they do so together. Gotcha. And Makes sense. These were long-term mortgages that ran for 40 or 50 years, and most of them have now been paid off. Excellent. Okay, that makes sense. Is there an example where this is done far more frequently than Canada? I have to admit, this is one of the first times I've heard of this uh, being a system in Canada. Is it, is it, is it more common in other places? It is more common. Overall in Europe, um, 10% of... Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Housing is cooperative housing, but in some places it's much higher than that. For example, in Austria, 40% of all housing in the country is cooperative housing, and it goes up to 60% in the capital city of Vienna. Vienna is often compared to Toronto because it's one of the uh, most livable cities in the world. But there they pay much less for housing than we do. So, for example, a one-bedroom apartment in a housing cooperative would cost less than 400 Canadian dollars. And that's not with the government subsidy. That's the actual cost. Now, that might surprise you, but think about yeah. if you bought a house 30 years ago, you paid off the mortgage. What do you pay month to month now? Not very much. Well, that's a privilege lots of home- homeowners have, but tenants do not have. So co-ops make it possible for lower-income people to have that same experience that homeowners have, which is that eventually those high costs like decline over time. So is it administered by um, the residents or is there government involvement? Like if, if I wanted to move into one of these co-ops, do I have to provide, you know, incomes? Like how does it work in terms of whether you're accepted into the co-op or not? Who has that power? The first thing to um, think about is that a co-op, it's not like applying to be in a sorority or a fraternity. They don't like select you based on the particular characteristics. However, since these were government programs that were set up in order to help ordinary Canadians afford housing, there are certain rules. And one of the rules is that there is this division between these so-called you know, market um, rate units and these subsidized units. So to qualify for a subsidized unit, of course, you do have to show some sort of income verification. And then you pay one-third of your income, and the rest of the cost is paid by the government. So the regular units is just like you know applying to be a member of Um, any other organization or applying to rent an apartment, you would apply. And then typically these are very popular um, types of arrangements. And so there can be waiting lists and you might have to wait in order to get a unit. But you just have to meet the basic criteria of, you know, having an income that you can cover the costs and, you know, possibly having references from previous landlords, different co-ops have different rules. Okay. Doctor, help me understand this if you can, and maybe you can't. If I'm, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, well, why the hell isn't every rental property in the world designed this way? Obviously, there's somebody who's opposed to this. I'm thinking it might be landlords who re- recognize that this could eat into their bottom line dramatically. But I'm just, why isn't this far more common? It, it, is there resistance? Is there blocks to doing this? Because if, you, if you're a renter, this seems like the only situation you would explore. 
I'm thrilled to hear you say that because I agree with you 100%. And I think most Canadians would respond the same way if they learned about this opportunity. So it is puzzling to me why we haven't expanded this significantly, given that we did this in the 1970s and 80s, and it was extremely successful. There were no defaults on these mortgages, and the costs are very low today. And there are, as I said, waiting lists of people who want to live in these units because they are very attractive places to live. So when you said, I had a new idea, I said, oh, I have to correct him because it's an old idea that's already worked extremely well in Canada. And the puzzle is really why the government isn't really going all in and investing in this wonderful um, model that we've already had so much success with. Yeah, it's very, very interesting, Doctor. I appreciate you walking us through it. Thank you for your time today. Uh, Thank you very much for having me. That is Dr. Margaret Cohn, who is a professor of political science at University of Toronto. And yeah, I mean, if you take a look at this on the surface, there are some questions that come up, right? First of all, is this what we want government doing? Because ultimately, real estate is a free market, or it should be. It's not in 100% of cases. I understand that there's subsidized housing and all the rest. Um, But, you know, if you are in a position where the government suddenly says, okay, 50% of the housing we are going to um, provide financing for to co-ops that are going to see substantially lower rates, uh, rents are going to be much lower. You know, once the mortgage is paid off on these properties, it's just maintenance costs in terms of mortgage fees. Um, that doesn't work in in the private sector, and I can see why there would be opposition there. So, is that is that too much government interference? Is that having the government too much involved in what is essentially a free market system? Although, as I say, we do have some government involvement in housing for sure already. So, uh, I don't know. Would this system work? Is this a way to sort of get? people, you know, into more affordable housing. We talk about affordable housing so much in this country and have a hard time tackling it. Is this a solution? 